0: Morning. I think this is the first. This side looks like we're gonna tilt. We've got a lot of people on this a lot of people on this side, okay. <laughs> I didn't want to be accused of saying how large this side was. in Numbers, numbers, a lot of people on this side. Man, I'm gonna get myself in trouble, ain't I? It's good to have you all here this morning. And uh, I want to thank you on a couple things. First of all, um, I talked to my mom and dad this week and catch up how my dad's doing. Um, for those of you visiting, glad to have you here, here at True North. Um, I'm the pastor here at Rec Stump. My dad has gone, is going through cancer right now. He had prostate cancer. They, they removed that, and this was years ago. Well, the cancer's returned. He's got cancer now in his back and his bone and his pelvis, so they considered stage four. And he's going through chemotherapy. He had a second treatment. First treatment was really, really rough. This treatment, second treatment is better, and what I, so that fills in for those who are visiting and didn't know. Um, but church family and everybody else, I just want to let you know um, he's doing well and thank you so much. My mom said to me, "Goes, we've received more cards from your church than we've received from our church." You know how it makes me feel, all warm and fuzzy inside. Um, that that's amazing to me. I mean, my mom and dad have basically grown. I remember you know, as a little kid growing up in that church, so. They've been a part of their church for a long time, and to hear that that you are praying for them and sending them a card uh, meant a lot. And so my mom, my mom was like, "Okay, well we we don't have any appropriate thank you cards to send back." I'm thinking, don't send thank you cards to people sending you a get well card or, or thinking of you card. You don't know. I will verbally relay that message on to all of you. A big gracious thank you for my parents. Uh, they really appreciate that. So thank you. Um, second thing I want to give to you is your prayers for this past week. Last week, I said uh, that Steve and I were going down to this baseball clinic in Columbus for two days. Um, it's the Ohio High School Baseball Coaches Association. Basically, 1,300-plus coaches were there uh, from the state of Ohio uh, to come in for two days to learn more about baseball. And this year, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, we were given a booth to set up. And then we were also given the opportunity to hold us to breakfast. And then they also gave me two opportunities to speak. Um, and so, which is more than we could ever dream for. And I asked you to be praying for us. And just to give you an idea of what happened, Friday morning was our breakfast. We didn't know what to plan for. So they set up for 60 people. Because there's, there's actually a coaches, head coaches meeting going on at the same time as our breakfast. And it's 8 o'clock in the morning. And coaches really don't have to report until 9.00. So to think that anybody's gonna show up at eight, we didn't know. Well, not only did 60 people show up, but another 20 plus people showed up. We had to bring in more chairs and tables. And so we were very thankful for that. So that was the first plus. The second thing was then the opportunity where I spoke, the room was set up for 150 plus chairs and both sessions, it was full. And so which tells me one of two things, Um, either they had nowhere else to go, which they did, they had three other options to go to uh, or the subject of which I was talking about was very important, uh, about building character on your team and being able to share with them how we minister to people. Um, so we walked away from that, that uh, those two days, just thanking God for the opportunity. And again, your prayers mattered. I really believe that. I really believe that your praying for us gives us the boldness and the courage to say what we need to say in a setting that FCA has never been before. Uh, when you go to those clinics, uh, we're the Jesus booth, okay? <laughs> you need to understand that we're at a, we're at a convention center with 1,300 coaches, and there's coaches walking around with all kinds of things in their hands and in their mouth, okay, that, well, they walk by our booth, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and we know right away they're going, Jesus booth, keep walking, you know? We get that. We get that. Uh, but we also get a lot of people stopping and saying, we need help, um, Tell us about what you guys do. So thank you for your prayers. If you would, please open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's in the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Get past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, those first big books in the New Testament. Get to a bunch of little small ones. You're going to come to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to review real quick from last week and get into some new things this week. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Let me read this to you. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learn from me. Repeat after me. Hold on. To the pattern of wholesome teaching you learn from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, who lives within us, carefully guard, repeat after me, carefully guard, the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Two key phrases I talked about last week. Hold on and carefully guard. Repeat after me. Hold on, carefully guard. There's two phrases we as believers need to know, we need to remember, because the, you know, when Paul's writing this to Timothy, he said there's a reason. You've got to get this, okay? Because we tend not to hold on to the truth. We tend not to carefully guard the truth. Referring here back to God's Word, the truth. Okay? Let me give an example. Truth is... You are God's creation. According to Ephesians 2.10, it says we are God's workmanship. That word workmanship in Greek is the word poiema. Repeat after me. I want to hear you say that. Poiema. Did you speak in Greek? That was a little more Latin back there, but okay. Poiema uh, is the word for workmanship. It's his work. It's a product of his making. In other words, God don't make junk created you as special value and, and, and his workmanship, his masterpiece, okay? That's you. That's truth, okay? Original language is basically saying you have value. Now, if I were to turn, I'm going to turn here. You don't need to, but if I turn to the book of Luke and I look at the book of Luke and I read chapter 15 in God's Word, Jesus, you'll see it's in red lettering, Jesus tells these three stories. He said this, If you had 100 sheep, one of them straight away was lost in the wilderness, wouldn't you leave the 99 others and go search for the lost one until you find it? Then you would joyfully carry it home on on your shoulders. When you arrived, you'd call together your friends and neighbors, rejoice because your lost sheep was found. In the same way, heaven will be happier over one lost sinner who returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous in heaven straight away. Next story. Or suppose a woman has ten valuable coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp, look at every corner of the house, sweep under every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds out one lost coin, she'll call her friends, neighbors, rejoice because she found her lost coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner repents. Then Jesus goes, let me tell you another story. And he tells the story of what's called, what we call the prodigal son. The two brothers, the one wants his inheritance, runs off, but he comes back. The Father's there to welcome them. Why is Jesus telling these three stories? Well, there's different reasons, but one thing we can learn from these three stories is this. You matter. hundred sheep, one's gone. Forget it. It's just one, right? No, 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 no. That one matters. Well, I've got ten coins. I lost one. It doesn't matter. I've still got my nine coins. No, 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 no. That one matters. And then the two sons, and the one who was rebellious, it wasn't that he was lost, he chose to walk out on his family. He went away. And when he came back, the father rejoiced and welcomed him back because he loved him, because he had value. Each of these three stories talk about the value of that one. So when we have, like, for instance today, this body of believers here, all of you who come in today, when one of you decides, you know what, I really don't matter, guess what? That's false. Truth is, you're Poema. You're God's workmanship, his masterpiece, his work of art. You matter. And if you were to leave, you'd be searched out. God would say, no, no, no. One leaves this place, that matters to me. Because you have value. Everybody understand that that is truth? Everybody got that? Okay, but here's the problem. We don't hold on to that truth that I just shared with you. We don't guard that truth. What happens is we start to think, I'm a failure. I make mistakes. I blew it. I get called names by people. Um, I, I seem to just not be able to accomplish what I'm supposed to do. So my emotions, circumstances, my emotions tell me I'm feeling pretty worthless right now. I'm not good enough. I'm not the star basketball player. I can't sing the notes that they sing. When I write, I look at my writing. It's so messy. I don't have the AR points that everybody else has. They're such good readers and I can't read, you know. We feel bad about ourselves. So because of those emotions, we start believing that we have no value. Everybody follow me on this? But what is the truth? What does God say about all that? God says, "Uh uh-uh. Just because you didn't accomplish that feat, just because you didn't do this without a mistake, doesn't mean you are less of a person, that you have less value. Your value is still the same with me. Hold on, carefully guard. You know, when we talk with teams about this, like I did last week, and I'm reading this verse to them, I'm talking about hold on and carefully, you know, we're talking about is confidence. See, a lot of kids lose confidence. They don't believe they can do it anymore because they forgot the truth of who they are and what they can accomplish. We adults do the same thing. So carefully guard, hold on to what's been given to you. We talked about that last week. Now, turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew. First book in the New Testament, Matthew. Go to chapter 28, please. Matthew 28. Last words of Jesus. He's resurrected from the dead. We celebrate that at Easter. Then for the next few days, Jesus is appearing in front of all these people. He makes one last visitation with his disciples and others. And he has this to say to them. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority under heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We always cling to that one, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Teach, everybody, repeat after me, teach. These new disciples to obey. Repeat after me, To obey. All the commands. Look at the person next to you and say, all the commands. Let's go back. I want to read this again. You might want to underline some of these. You might want to underline, teach, obey, and all the commands. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. All of what Jesus said there is important. Incredible value. But I want you to look at verse 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. Who is he saying this to? Us. Us. But for some reason, when we put our faith in Christ, we look at this verse and we say, well, that's for the pastor and the Sunday school teacher and the GPS leader and and people who have the gift of teaching. They're the teachers. Did Jesus say, for those of you with the gift of teaching, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you? No. I, I believe, you know, these disciples were supposed to go and teach others God's commands, and they then were supposed to go teach others. When it comes to teaching God's Word, we need to know it. Parents, guess who gets to teach your children about God's Word? You do. You do. Okay? Guess which friends of yours you get to teach God's Word? You. Me. I wish somebody would tell my friend about that Scripture. Guess what? That's me. I get to teach my friends about Scripture. Okay? Okay? worker to co-worker, teacher to student, parent to child, grandparent to grandchild. All of us are holding on, carefully guarding God's word so that then we can take these truths and teach them to one another. But a lot of us, again, dismiss ourselves saying, but I'm not a teacher, so I can't do it, right? Okay. One thing we are all told to do is teach Yet almost every person feels disqualified when it comes to teaching, right? Hey, we could use children's teachers for children's church. Hey, we could use helpers for GPS. I can't teach. Yes, you can. Any of you teach your kid to ride a bike? Anybody teach your kids to eat? Anybody, you know, teach your kids anything? No, I didn't do anything. I was totally dismissed. That's wrong. You're lying, okay? You teach your kids how to get dressed. You teach them how to brush your teeth. You can teach. I don't know if I'm qualified Okay, I don't know what you want, a Bible degree. Uh, you can still do this. You can still do this. And when you get confused, it's like, I'm not sure. And guess what you do? You study. You look. You learn. You ask somebody else. It's, it, I love when people ask each other scripture questions, when people send me an email or call me and say, hey, what do you think this is? I'm sort of confused. There's times after church, expect, you know, where's Matt? Matt, well, every now and then will say, hey, you didn't read the next verse what does that mean you know, And he asked me, I like, you know, that's good. I have to go check that out. And so then I have to go check it out. And then I never get back with Matt because I know he's going to ask me another question. No, no, it's good. I appreciate that. I mean, we should be asking because we should be teaching one another, right? Okay, so here's the deal. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I should have this kind of attraction to God's word. I want to hold on to it. I want to guard it. I want to teach it. I want to read it. I should have some kind of natural attraction to saying, these are the very words of God spoken Himself. I believe in God, so I should have some kind of desire for this, right? I just shared with you that we were at this baseball clinic. Now, there were some great topics and speakers lined up. We had the program, we looked at all these speakers lined up, all these coaches some former Major League Baseball players, some high school coaches, some college coaches. Looking through this, okay, let me give you an example, okay? Let's say I'm a fan of Kent State, okay? Let's just say that I'm a fan of Kent State, okay? They went to the College World Series last year. They are successful. And let's say I'm a fan of their team. When I look on the program this past week, I'm saying, hey, look, there's Kent State's coach. He's speaking. Not only is he speaking, He's speaking on a topic that could really help my team. I'm really interested in this. I wanna know more, right? So according to the schedule, Kent State's coach is gonna be speaking at 3 p.m. today. Guess where I'm gonna be at 3 p.m. today? Listening to Kent State's coach. Why? I'm a fan of his. I wanna hear what he has to say because he's got a topic that I wanna know more about. I'm a fan, I'm there. Everybody following me on this illustration so far? Okay. Now, here's the deal. I'm a fan of God. Now, God didn't create the World Series. He created the world, okay? He's got one up on us all there, okay? God's not successful. He defines success, okay? So he creates the world. He's a very successful God. He is God, the only God. I'm a huge fan of him, okay? And I happen to realize that God's speaking today. Actually, he's speaking to me on a topic that I need to hear about. The deal is God's always speaking, right? Right? But according to my schedule, he's going to speak to me at any point in time of the day. But at 6 o'clock this morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to specifically go and attend a session with God and see what he has to say to me on the topic I need to hear about to help me with my life. That's what I'm trying to say. As much as I'm always seeking out things, uh, well, did you see what's on uh, Animal Planet at 7 o'clock? DVR, record that, okay. Do we do the same thing with God? Did you see what's in God's Word in Luke? I'm going to check that out. I'm going to reserve time. I'm going there. As a believer in God, I should be craving and seeking to learn more about God's Word. Last week, uh, you can turn there if you want, or you can just listen. 1 Peter chapter 2. We checked out that verse last week. Let me read this verse to you. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. Peter says, just like a baby, craves and just wants milk. As a believer, I should be craving God's pure spiritual food. Everybody on me so far here? Okay, so, with all that being said. We're almost to the part where we were halfway last week, okay? The Bible contains God's nourishment for us, for our soul, for the direction of our life. It's important, but we've got to have the right motives, Last week I said there were three motives that are wrong. All three that I deal with, okay? Here's the first one, guilt. Guilt. A lot of times, reading the Bible has been added to my list of to-do things. I better read X amount of chapters today because i got to do that, okay? Because that's just, if I'm a good believer in Jesus Christ, I will read this many verses, these many chapters, whatever. Problem is, when I don't read it then, I feel guilty, right? Because I didn't do what I placed upon myself. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you're supposed to read X amount of chapters. That's something I put upon myself. So now I feel guilty. Wrong motivation for reading God's word. Second thing I said was the wrong motivation was status. If I read God's word, I'm gonna get smart. And if I'm smart, I'm pastor know-it-all. And then pastor know-it-all, people come to me because I know it. Well, you all know that I'm not pastor know-it-all. And I'm cool with that, okay? But here's the deal. There's so much and so many times in our lives we want status and title so that if I will just learn that I will appear to be, right? It makes my appearance seem more intelligent. Mr. Bible, Bible man, right? Wrong motivation. Third wrong motivation was teaching material. Not wrong to use the Bible to prepare to study. We need to do that, okay? But it, it you know, actually it's necessary, but the problem arises when I use the Bible only to prepare to study only to find that nugget that I can use to share my little devotional thought every week. If that's the only reason I'm going into the Bible so I can find something to share with somebody else, wrong motivation. Wrong motivation. And as I said, there's temptation for me as a pastor to place those motivations upon myself. I need to read X amount of verses a day. I need to make sure that I'm reading so I know it all, and I need to make sure I'm reading so I can find something to share with everybody else. That's the wrong motivation for me. It's a temptation, okay? temptation for me to to face that. Now, when that usually happens, guess how my Bible reading goes. It becomes a chore. How many of you like chores? How many of you say, I can't wait to go do my chores? Not a lot of times, you know. This should be a joy. This should be refreshing. Sometimes it's going to be heart-wrenching because we're going to find things as God's Word penetrates our souls and corrects us Whew. I don't know if I didn't hear that one today, right? I did. But it shouldn't be a chore like, well, i got to do that, and then ch- ch- check that off, I'm done for the day. I want you to take a minute right now and just sort of think about why you read the Bible. What is your motivation for getting in God's Word? I want you to think about that, okay? I want you, I want myself to have the right motivation for getting in God's Word. So here's the deal. I want you to understand the purpose of God's Word. I'm going to give you six purposes for God's Word. So, when you get done with this today and I get done with this today, we're going to step back and say, Well, here's the purpose for God's Word. Now, my motivation will hopefully change. My motivation is in the right spot because I understand now the purpose for God's Word. And this is what I did I brought a toolbox. Two hands, don't want to hurt myself. Okay, just so make sure you see it's up here. Sitting behind my chair. Brought my toolbox here to sort of help me with the rest of the message. Okay? Because I want to make sure I have the right equipment. If I'm going to go out and I've got a task, a job to complete, I need to have the right tools. Okay. So I want to make sure I've got the right tools with me to fix what's going on. In the same way, this is my toolbox. Inside my toolbox are some incredible tools that will help me with various things in my life. You follow me so far? Good. Okay. Don't ask me which verse this is. Okay. I'm just just. I'm, the illustration only goes so far and it stops there. Okay. So here's the first purpose, okay? First of all, all together, this is what? Screwdriver, great, thank you. Ladies, it is not a hammer, okay? Okay? We used that story that one time about that little boy. You know, go give me the hammer, son, and you know brought back the hammer because mommy says she uses this to hit things with okay this is a screwdriver we understand that the screwdriver is used for one purpose right to take the screw to screw it in to screw it out right we understand that okay here's the first purpose i want you to understand about god's word first purpose is this to teach us about god you want to learn about god go to the bible well i third i heard or i thought god was i can't believe God would do this. Let me ask you this. When you hear people say that, because we say it ourselves, right? Why would God let this happen? Let me ask you something. Do you know why God let that happen? No, I don't. Learn about God. When you know who God is and his character, it starts making sense why some things are the way they are, okay? Some things are just going to always be the mystery of the universe until we get to heaven and ask them ourselves, right? But there's some things we can figure out about a God that helps us understand why things are the way they are. God's the subject of the Scriptures. And the God in heaven wants us to know certain things about Him. So He reveals Himself in His Word. Let me throw some quick ones your way. Um, Dan, there's not Scripture for this, so don't worry about throwing it up. I'm going to just throw a bunch of verses out. Okay? You want to know how about God's unchanging? Same yesterday, today, and forever? Which we need that because we need a firm foundation? You'd go to Hebrews chapter 6 to find out about how God's unchanging. You want to know that God is love? There's all kinds of verses. Let me give you a simple one we all know. John three sixteen, right? You want to know that God's amazing, He's indescribable? Turn to the book of Job, chapter 11, verses 7 and 8. And again, so many more scriptures to cover that one. You want to know that God disciplines like a father or mom who loves their child? They will discipline that child because they love them? Go to Hebrews, chapter 12, and read about that. We also know that God is a God who forgives. 1 John, chapter 1, Luke, chapter 15. Those scriptures tell us that God is a God who forgives. You want to learn about God, go to his word. You pull out that first tool, I want to know what God's like. So you pull out that tool and you start discovering what God's like. Because God's already described in the Bible, we're left no room to formulate our own opinions about God. Well, I think God is, you know what? You don't have to think God is, you don't have to form that opinion because the truth is already there. Unfortunately, our opinions have gotten messed up because we haven't studied scripture enough to know. We don't understand that better, right? So, get in there. All right, let's go with this one. What are these? Flyers, very good. Again, not a hammer, okay? Now, another tool for another purpose. Purpose of this, I hope you understand and know what these purposes are, okay? Here's another purpose of God's Word. To teach us about the world we live in and about ourselves, okay? He gave us the Bible, God gave us the Bible so we can understand where we're living right now. It's a grand narrative that explains where we came from, why the world is the way it is, and where everything is heading. That's the Bible. The God who wrote this Bible, our God, designed the world. And since he designed the world, it only makes sense to go to him and ask him, tell me about what's going on here. You made this world, right? When you understand how something's working, the owner's manual, right? first car I ever bought was a 1976 Toyota Corolla from my brother. Okay, I gave him $500 for this car. Now, as I drove that car through high school, things would go wrong with it. Certain things acted up on it. Okay, it was rusted out on the sides. Matter of fact, I always joked about my friends, like, maybe you had to sign some kind of waiver before you get in. If you drop anything down onto the floor mats and it goes out, I'm sorry, you know. Uh, put put little splashers on or boots on or something because if I hit a puddle you might get wet on the inside okay sorry about that Uh, it was that kind of a car okay great car love that car Uh, but if something went wrong guess who I went to ask for help my brother he owned the car before me so basically I had a screwdriver duct tape and WD-40 in my car at all times because I knew I had to pop the hood I had to spray something hit something or tape something uh, to make it keep going and I didn't know what it was. So hey, Steve, tell me, what do I gotta do here? My brother Steve would come out and say, yeah, that's what you need to do right there. Oh, okay, well I can't get to it. Well you gotta hit it twice, boom, boom, and then start it. Oh, okay, great. You know, little things about that car. And the funny thing was, is I was gonna share this with you last week, this illustration. Then this week, I get in my escape, I'm driving down the road, and my theft light comes on on the dashboard. Blink, it starts blinking, and also my car jerked. I'm like, whoa. My car thinks somebody stole it and it's shutting down or something. It's like I start talking to it. It's me. It's Rex. Voice command Rex. Um, it's an older vehicle. Won't do that. Okay. But I'm thinking, what is wrong? So what do I do? Owner's manual. We're down in Columbus and we get to our hotel room by 11 o'clock at night and pull out the owner's manual. Okay. I'm looking through anti theft. What's going on with my escape? You know? And as I'm reading through it, it says this If this happens, I'm going, yeah, that's it. That, that's it. It goes, Take it to an owner and let them fix it. Seriously? I mean, there's no button to push. There's no easy button or something like that? Okay. So bottom line is my owner's manual confirmed what I already figured out was something's wrong and I need to take it to somebody to fix it. I read in here, guess what? This confirms there's something wrong and I need somebody to fix it. God's word teaches me about myself and the world we live in and helps me understand what's going wrong. It confirms those kind of things, okay? Another tool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very simple. Let's use one word on this. This is a what? Something like that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Different words were used for this, but it's all the same thing. Basically, this is my knife that I'm going to use to cut whatever I need to cut, okay? Keep that in there as well. Another tool in my toolbox for another purpose. I am not gonna, did somebody call this a hammer? Okay, it's not a hammer, okay? I'll I'll find one in there somewhere, okay? But another tool, another purpose. In the same way, let me give you another tool, another purpose from God's word. God gives us the Bible to enable us to live godly lives, okay? Whatever motivations you may have for studying the Bible, godly living needs to be somewhere near the top, okay? I want to live a godly life. I want to live a life that pleases God. Guess what? That's one of the purposes. That's why we have God's word, to help us live those godly lives to make the right choices in life. Paul said, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, this may be on the front of your bulletin. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Let me hear you say profitable. Oh yeah, a lot of profit in this. We like profit, right? Profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Let me hear you say complete. And equipped. Let me hear you say equipped. That's the toolbox, okay? Equipped for every good work, every job that I have, everything that I'm going to have to do. Hopefully, it's, I've got the tools in here. Guess what God's word is? It is, helps me be complete and equipped for every good work. I want to live a godly life. Guess where I'm going to learn that from? Not from a talk show. Okay? Not from a pastor. I'm going to learn it from God's Word. Now, if the pastor is teaching directly from God's Word, then good, you're on track, okay? But always go back to the resource, okay, from which they're talking about. See, in sports, in athletics, we do what's called two-a-days, You know, ask football coaches, you know, you do two days, you work hard all day long, the players. Some players like it, some players don't. But they understand you want to put extra time into it, right? And then you'll put extra time into athletics by working out and getting in the weight room and spending more time disciplining and getting your body stronger and faster. You do all these things as a part of discipline to what? To equip you to be complete as an athlete to compete. Okay, that's a mouthful, don't ask me to repeat it. God gave us His Word so that we would be complete and mature people who are equipped, ready to do anything God asks us to do. That means we have to study the Bible to learn how to do the things we need to do for Him, how to be godly people. It's, it's like that mirror in the weight room. But you know, I look now and say it's sort of goofy, but back in high school, the guys, we'd get the weights, and we'd stand there, and we'd get and look in the mirror. We'd do the curls, and like, yeah. And we just look at ourselves in the mirror, and you talk about pumping up your ego, okay? And that's usually what we do. But bottom line is, what else would we doing as boys? We we're trying to see change in our muscles. We wanted to know that we were growing and getting stronger. As a boy, you want to make a boy feel like a million bucks? Let him know he's getting stronger oh, that's just the world to Him, right? God's Word does the same thing. God's Word makes us stronger in Him. To live that godly life, to make the right choices, this is what I need to be pumping every day. I need to be in here and and letting that, you know, fill me, oh, that's how I do it, that's how I live for you, God? Hebrews 4.12 warns us that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing The division of the soul and spirit and joints and moral, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word just penetrates and gets in us and changes us. The Bible penetrates us. It reads us. We think we're reading the Bible. It's reading us. And God's spirit is connecting there. And it's not about finding the support for the lifestyle that I'm living. It's penetrating me and saying, you need to change the way you're living, Rex. Not like, well, come on, God. This is the lifestyle I like to live, so there's got to be somewhere in here that supports my lifestyle. Like, let's see here, let's see here. Uh, Oh yeah, Paul says, put off the old man, put on the new. Put off the old man, put on the new. Divorce him, read Mary. That guy over there, yeah. Now, I I see that flippantly, but I want you to know this. That was what one young lady believed. I was reading this in in the book, and that's what she believed. That when Paul said, put off the old man, put on the new, she thought, yeah, this is my scripture right here that tells me it's okay to dump him and go with him. And it's like, that's not what Paul meant. See, sometimes we go into the scripture saying, can I find something to back up what I need in my, my lifestyle? God's word says, no, no, I want to penetrate you right now and I want to tell you how you need to change to fit the lifestyle that is godly. Hebrews 4.12 warns us that and says that. You better be ready. The Bible's we're going to change your life. Now, let me give you an example, another example, okay? One that fits a little more home with all of us, okay? Something that I went through just recently. Sometimes in life, we come, uh, uh, things come our way. We have a choice to respond in a worldly manner or a godly manner, okay? Now, example, our words. We all deal with issues with our words, okay? Now, it's so easy to want to reply to, and we'll just use, we'll throw this out here as an example, a Facebook message, or an email that we get from somebody, okay? We see something come our way, sort of addressed to a whole group of people, our name's included in on it, we're looking at it, and when you see it, oh, it looks juicy. It looks it looks deliciously good to talk about, okay? Honest, real with each other, right? I know you all got your church faces on right now, like, I would never gossip, okay, whatever, okay? I would never look at something like, oh, what's going on in their life? Yes, we would, okay? So you get something like that, and you sit there and say, how do I respond to this? Okay, now, so recently, this happened. Email came. I was sort of included on the list, looking at it and going, oh, man, that's that's not right. That's that's some false stuff going on there. That's frustrating. And I so badly wanted to reply back to that person involved and say, Let, let's sort of diffuse the situation here, okay? Let's, let's correct it. Let's make all things better, okay? Okay. Um, so deep down though, I knew this. If I responded to that string of emails, there'd probably be more miscommunication. Um, there'd probably be more hurt feelings. So maybe I, could, maybe I should just call them and talk to them, okay? Okay, that was early in the morning. And then I sat down and said, okay, I'm just gonna dismiss that for right now. I need to go pick up God's word. So I picked up my toolbox, sat down and, uh, and, and it just so happened, repeat after me, just so happened, we all know that as, as Christians, that's not right, right? It just so happens now, God said, Rex, there's an issue going on in your life right now which you may or may not be involved in, but obviously you're, you are now, okay? Why don't you check out my word? I want to help you respond to this in a godly way, okay? Because you're probably not going to handle it right, so why don't you get my advice? It's like, okay, God, So here's the verse that was on my docket for the day to read. Okay, check this out. Proverbs 26, 23. Smooth words may hide a wicked heart just as a pretty glaze covers a clay pot. Smooth words may hide a wicked heart just as a pretty glaze covers a clay pot. Now, when Jenny makes cakes, every now and then, her cake may have some cracks in it, okay? Sorry, babe. Um... That doesn't dismiss the quality of the cake, but I mean, for everybody, everybody's got cracks. Anyway, so what she does next then is then she puts a glaze over it and then she puts the frosting over it. You can't see the cracks because the glaze and the icing smoothed it over. And now it's like, this cake is perfect. But I saw before the glaze and the frosting went on that there were some cracks there, right? Smooth words you may hide a wicked heart just as a pretty glaze covers a clay pot. Verse 24, read on. People may cover their hatred with pleasant words, but they're deceiving you. They pretend to be kind, but don't believe them. Their hearts are full of many evils. While their hatred may be concealed by trickery, their wrongdoing will be exposed in public. And I stepped back and said, thank you, God, because I didn't know how to, ex- I didn't know how to reply to that email and I thought I knew how. Smooth words, covering up a lot of cracks there. And eventually, they're going to be exposed. I'm just going to not touch it with a 10-foot pole right now. I couldn't do anything with it. It's not involving me. I, that, that's just wrong, okay? So I believe God's word was helping me respond in a godly way. Now, I believe this. God's going to take care of this. Someday, people will know the truth. Leave it alone, right? Okay. But the following day, I ran to some people, and they're like, hey, I saw your name on that email list. And all of a sudden, you know, the word, you know, it's like conversations flowing. It's like, yeah, yeah. And then it started making me mad. It's like, you know what? I am going to reply back, or, or, or maybe I should do this. Maybe I should put a little Facebook post out there or, or an email, you know? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I want people to know the truth, so I'm going to maybe do something. Put it back in their, in their face, right? Okay, so the next morning I get up to read God's Word, and guess what? It was picking up where it left off. I'm still in Proverbs 26. Guess what verse 27 says? If you set a trap for others you'll get caught in yourself. And if you roll a boulder down on others, it'll crush you instead. A lying tongue hates its victims and flattering words cause ruin. All right, God, I get it. Don't retaliate. Don't try to expose them for their wrongdoings. It could backfire and it could hurt me. Stay away from it. Don't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Because you see, the words of God is trying to help me live a godly life. And in this situation, my natural tendency is to react with a much less godly manner. God said, I want you to react this way in a godly manner. So use my words, please. So I believe God's words help me choose a better response. Now, key note. Even though I read these words, I still have to act on them. A lot of us read them like, oh, that's so good. Then we walk away and we forget to actually obey them and live them out, right? See, just because I have this toolbox... Bob Vila, I am not, as my wife would say. I used to joke about that. <laughs> because uh, even though I have a toolbox, doesn't mean I can actually handle the tools very well, okay? But even though I have a toolbox, if I never open it, what what does that matter? Even if i got a toolbox, and I pull out the tools and I walk around with them, maybe stick in my pockets, yeah, i got a screwdriver right here. It doesn't mean I know how to use it. It doesn't mean that I actually used it. I'm just a good poser. I look good with all that kind of stuff, right? I actually need to get into God's Word and use it. So I went back and I read a few more Proverbs recently then. I said, you know, that was so good. Maybe there's more in there in God's toolbox to help me live a godly way. So I went back to Proverbs 26, but I backed up and started at the beginning of the chapter and read through. I got to verse 17. Listen to this. Interfering in somebody else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ear. Isn't that a great proverb? Do you ever yank a dog's ear? Oh, yeah. Do you ever get your, you know, hand snipped out? <laughs> I'm not touching your ear again, dog. I grab my kids' ears, okay? My dad grabbed my ears, okay? I, I didn't bite. Dad didn't bite. My kids don't bite. But it catches their attention. It gets them mad, right? It makes them ornery. Interfering in somebody else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ear. Verse 18. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon. We've heard about that a lot, right? Just as damaging as that is, is somebody who lies to a friend and says, I was just joking. <laughs> I just pulled your leg. You lied to me. It's damaging, isn't it? Fire goes without wood. I'm sorry. Fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. You want a situation to diffuse? Stop talking about it. Fire goes out without wood. That's right, you know? Stop throwing fire in the fireplace. It will go out. You want the situation to be diffused? Stop throwing fuel into the fire. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as a hot ember, lights charcoal, or fire lights wood. Verse 22, rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? And that took me back to verse 23 where I started. See, God's word is so much to help us give insight into how we should live in a godly way. And today, words get thrown out. Phrases get thrown out. I was just kidding. I was joking, sarcastic, whatever, lying and, and gossiping. And there's so many things that happen. And we wonder why there's problems. And God's saying, I'm giving you the toolbox to fix that. If you just open up the toolbox, pull out and help you with godly living, it's right there, right? Incredible insight to living godly lives. That's just one thing. That's just about my speech and how I talk, how I talk with others. If I really don't like how I act and I truly want to be more pleasing to God, then I've got to open up God's toolbox and do it, right? Can you imagine owning a car and never driving it? I mean, I have a car so I can get places. If I have no car, I cannot go to my destinations, which means that's no good. Imagine having the words of God right in front of me that give me insight to God into life, shows me how to live a godly life, and never opening it, never studying it. No Bible means no insight, no help. That's not good. Another tool. All right, here we go. What's this? Ah, uh, you're all waiting for that one, right? I had to pull that one. In. Okay. We all know what a hammer's for, right? To help that screw go in that won't go in with the screwdriver. Right? Okay. Every relationship requires communication, and this is how God communicates with us. From the very beginning, as God walked with Adam and Eve, as he wanted to relay things on, he wants to build intimacy with us, which is really weird to hear, right? The God of the universe wants that kind of relationship with us. He desires that, so he writes us letters about him and about us and our relationship with him. He took 66 books to preserve for us so we can know him better. And there's different parts of the Bible addressed to different people, but everything is ultimately written to benefit our relationship with him. True Bible study always has intimacy with God as a primary goal. There's more tools in there. You know, you pull out another tool. Maybe this. Everybody, what's this? Tape measure. Good. One more. You want to see how it works? Okay. That's good. Right. <laughs> Our insurance doesn't cover that. Okay. Um, A couple other tools. I mean, you want to know about Jesus? The Bible exalts Jesus through the Old Testament, not just in the Gospels, but through the whole Bible. Here's another one. The Bible also, uh, another tool is to prepare us for our mission. Each and every one of you in here has a purpose for God, a mission for God. You want to know what it is? Get into the Bible and discover it. We are His ambassadors. We have a mission. So God gave us a Bible for all these things. So here's, my encouragement, and my challenge to you. Worship team, would you please come forward? Inside this toolbox teaches us about God. You want to know what God's like? Open up the toolbox. You want to know about yourself and the world we live in? Open up the toolbox. You want to know how to live a godly life? Open up the toolbox. You want to know about Jesus and how he's exalted above all others? Open up the toolbox. You want to know how to deepen your relationship with the God of this universe, open up the toolbox. You want to know how to prepare yourself for a God-given mission? Open up the toolbox. There's so many things in God's word, but as you open it up here, just, 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 let me close on this. You open it up with humility. Open it up with humility. The fact that God would want to speak to me, his very words to me. Should be a humbling thought, not a proud thought to throw it in somebody else's face, but a humbling thought. As I approach this, I've got to lay aside my agenda. I've got to lay aside my my frustrations with things. I've got I've got to lay aside. Hey, I wonder what God's going to you know teach me so I can share with somebody else. Say no, no, no. Humbly come before God. God, it's Your words. What do I need to hear from You today? I. I know I'm going to read something that's going to be hard for me and I I need to accept it. So Lord, help me to humbly approach you, your truth, to change me. Every time we find ourselves disagreeing with God, guess what? It's not his word that needs to change. It's us. I get in here and I'm saying, well, this just doesn't seem to be working. Must be the tool. No, it's probably me. I'm not using it correctly. Um, I might even have the wrong thing in my hand there. But the right thing is still in here. And I need God to help me understand that. Would you please stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're an awesome God. I thank you so much for your words. We call it the Bible, it's your words, it's a toolbox filled with incredible things to help us function properly in this world that we're in right now. So Lord, humble us right now in our hearts. Help us to approach your word with all humility. Help us to have a craving to get into your word, to learn more about you, about this world we live in, how to live a godly life, about your son Jesus Christ, how this uh, we can build a relationship with you, and then how we can live out our mission for you. Help us to understand that, God. Sometimes we have a hard time focusing. Thank you, God, so much for this church. Thank you so much for the many gifts you've given us. Thank you that we can freely open up your word in this country and share it with others. We love you, Lord. We want to worship you in song. In your name we pray. Amen.